Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spooky Town. We are a horror podcast um, reviewing books, movies, video games, and all things horror. I am Ashley Welling, and with me is my co-host and co-founder and sister, Stephanie. Stephanie, say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. Um, and we are super excited to bring you episode two of Spooky Town. Uh, we officially launched the podcast last week, and um, thank you all so much for <laughs> listening. <laughs> There was just so many of you. Um, no, there was there was a good little number. Um, but thank you for for listening. We're really excited to be here and to talk about um, the thing we love the most, which is the horror genre. Um, and this last week was was Christmas 2020. So now that's over. We're headed into the new year. And um, with that as our theme, we're going to kind of discuss 2020 today on the podcast, talk about some of the top horror movies of the year, some of our recommendations um, from from the year and what we saw. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper to why horror and horror movies and books and just the genre in, um, in general is so important, especially for a year like this that was full of so much anxiety uh, and turmoil around the world. Um, and we're also going to we're also going to keep it a little light uh, towards the beginning and play some play a little game that we came up with. So stay tuned for that. But um, in our first segment here, we're just going to talk a bit about what we watched this week and um, yeah, just kind of get caught up with each other, hear about what we've been doing since we last chatted. And with that, yeah, Steph, how was, uh, how was your week? Uh, my week was pretty much the same as last week, such as life. <laughs> In quarantine. Um, but as usual, I watched a lot of horror. I, I think everything that I wrote down is definitely not everything that I watched, but it's everything I remembered. <laughs> um, and it's already quite a few. So how was yeah. your week? Yeah, week was uh, week was good. Like you said, all the all the weeks and days in 2020 kind of seemed like they uh they all seem the same. Like I forget what, what day it is, especially towards the end of the year when it's the holidays and everyone's like, people are home or, you know, people aren't going to work. And it just like, you just kind of forget like where you're at and what's going on. And it's even more the case this year. <laughs> no one's leaving the house, at least not if you're abiding by the, the rules, you're not leaving the house. <laughs> yeah. Though I think the only reason why, I will know, I'll, I'll know what day it is because of my job. Uh, my days are slightly more structured than they would be if I was just sitting around, but it's more so like, I know, I know the day in the month, but the month itself has no context for me anymore. I'm just, it's just <laughs> Oh, it's another month. It's another month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much been the theme of the year. So. Oh my gosh. You remember when, um, all the lockdowns started happening in the U S around March and yeah. March just seemed like the longest month ever. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. my work was sent us home uh, to work from home. And at the time I, I asked my supervisor, I'm like, how long do you think, you know, we'll be working from home? And she's like, at least until March 31st. And I was like, Oh, that's such a long time. I'm going to miss everyone. <laughs> 
And now it's almost January 2021. <laughs> and yeah, who knows? There's, there's no end in sight. No, just kidding. And there, there is, but <laughs> it's yeah, fun. As long fun as everyone as doesn't screw it up, everyone just please. <laughs> let's, let's yeah, just there's so much to say up. about that. I mean, you know, we don't have to tell everyone that listening, everyone on earth is experiencing the same thing but yeah it's it's uh it's been a heck of a year to put it mildly and um i think that's why i mean we'll dig into that here in a second but that's why horror has been so important for fans of the genre you know me and you like especially we've talked about this quite a bit but um that said let's go into the the movies that we watched this week Steph, I'll let you kind of kick us off. Um, you've got a good list there, and then I'll I'll pick it up too, right after. Yeah. So my list ha- is mostly good things. Uh, a lot of it is stuff that I've already seen, but then there were two movies that I watched um, just completely like they're new, and yeah, neither was very good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with the ones that uh, I did watch that were good. Um, so I watched Anything for Jackson, which just came out a few days ago on streaming through Shudder. Um, very, very good. So good. That movie was amazing. Stephanie recommended it to me after she watched it, and I watched it um, the next day, and it was fantastic. It was extremely good. Uh, and it has my guy, Troy James. Shout out, Troy James, who is yes. a contortionist, and he often will play like monsters in horror movies and I first saw him in Channel Zero uh, season four and he plays Pretzel Jack. He's great. And so when he when he showed up, I didn't know he was going to be in it. And then he showed up doing his fun contortionist thing, you know, body horror, not body horror, but, you know, manipulating his body. And it, it's so uh, like he has such a recognizable style. Like, literally, it's something you have to see, and Ashley probably knows because she's seen it, but there's a moment where he collapses on the floor after doing this, like, creepy spider walk thing, and I'm like, oh, that's Troy. Yeah. (laughs) I know him. I know that fall. He's amazing. He is such (laughs) a... It's hard to explain. (laughs) He is such a talented guy. Not only... I mean, there's a obviously an artistry to to what he does, and... um, it's just incredibly, obviously, very physical horror and something that not obviously a ton of people can do. Uh, not a lot of people are that bendy, uh, but he's fantastic. You should look him up if you don't know who he is. He's um, he's a lot of times the scary, spooky thing in that horror movie that you've seen that um, moves a very creepy and cool way and his joints yeah. are, are popping and he's, he's very he scary suck- in a, the best way. <laughs> He's also in the void. He's uh, one of the monsters in the, yes. the basement of the hospital. He's the best scene. I love it is the, the best scene, scene in the void. That scene in the void. It is like, oh man, when they when they go down into the basement and it's basically mm-hmm. like they're venturing into hell and there's all of those yeah. dead bodies and experiments. Um, people still half alive and he's one of them. He's one of them, and he is. And I'm he's like, amazing. hey, <laughs> it's almost. It's not even really like it's creepy, but it's not even scary for me anymore because I'm just like, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Troy. it's just like, hey, the- I'm so glad to see you here. I'm so glad you're getting work. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, 
Same, same feeling. Troy James. Look him yes. up. He's, He's great. great. Um, but continue. Yes, you were talking about what you were no. watching this week. I get, I get too excited, then I just jump in. I'll I let you. <laughs> so outside of Troy James the movie, I mean anything for Jackson. Uh, I watched Black <laughs> Christmas 1974, actually for the first time. Um, upon talking about it a lot on the last episode. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It's really good. That's a good I rewatched Pie Wacket, which is also great. Annihilation, Krampus. Uh, this is less horror, more just sci-fi action, but Alien vs. Predator, which is criminally underrated. I love Paul W.S. Anderson. We can talk about him more at some point, but he is the definition of doing exactly what you want to do and not apologizing. <laughs> I love him. And he gets a lot of shit for it, but I love him. And then the two things that I watched uh, for the first time and have not finished either of them. The first one was Mara, which is another uh, name for a mare, which is a uh, figure in folklore that is the bringer of nightmares, which you would think would make for a, a good movie. Yeah. No, it does no. not. It Absolutely not. So that was pretty bad. And then last night we, I, I paid real dollars that I, I worked for on Baba Yaga, Terror of the Dark Forest, which is a, a Russian horror movie. Um, it had all the makings of something that I would really like. It has, for one thing, the Baba Yaga. Fantastic. Russian horror is usually a pretty safe bet. Um, it has great imagery. Uh, however, Apparently, the only the only version that at least I could find was a dubbed version in English, <laughs> no subtitles. That alone made it a lot worse, or it made it seem a lot worse. But it was also just bad. Yeah, it it was just bad. <laughs> you know, it's not. Yeah, it was very confusing. Um, like I, I think I was describing it to you last night. Like it, it it's like an alien came here. And was like, okay, so this is how people talk to each other. This is what technology <laughs> is like. This is what a child's bedroom is decorated like. Um, which like it was I just super unrealistic and and strangely. It's so it's like uncanny, like uncanny valley. Yeah. <laughs> Even the the star, the kid in the uh, like image preview in Amazon, were like, "What's wrong with this kid? <laughs> yeah. like not we're not trying to." <laughs> bully this russian child they're just he kind of looks like he's ai yeah or he he kind of looks like he's out of like the polar express you know what i mean oh that's a good way to put it yes like it, it like it seems like it's a like you can see a real person somewhere in there but it's also very clear it's that just well yeah something's it's, going on yeah mm -hmm. his face is like classically uncanny valley and i feel bad because he's a real human <laughs> I these two the assholes in America yeah. are like, oh, you, it's creepy. Yeah. But <laughs> go on. I know. I watched the trailer for it after um, you had mentioned it last night when we were, when we were chatting. And so I watched the trailer and it's, yeah, it's the baby's bedroom looks like, like a human being doesn't live there. You know, like it, it's all, That's it's all the whole strange. apartment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's, you said it's like Russian Ikea. Like it just doesn't make It's it like quite. Russian Ikea. And it, it's also the outside. Like they live in like this complex, but it's like a neighborhood. Oh, yeah. It, it reminds me of it. Like I cannot figure out a better way to describe it than like a Russian Pleasantville. You know? Yeah, but does that serve the movie at all? Does it like play into know. the because I don't know. I honestly can't tell if it's like the aesthetic that they're going for. Yeah, or if it's just like what they think a, a normal neighborhood would look like. <laughs> I don't know. I like. I feel like yeah. <laughs> this is not a human being made this movie. Like right. this is <laughs> yeah an otherworldly visitor. It's like this is what. <laughs> these things look like yeah it was just very odd and it's like also, and it's like elon musk made it <laughs> yes. elon musk the alien from who knows where <laughs> he and does his, yeah he moves it's, and talks like an alien um and i'm convinced that grimes also had something to do with it <laughs> grimes and elon musk you heard it here first made baba yaga classic duo <laughs> that classic or the baby is actually bleep blop or whatever their kid's name is <laughs> definitely how you pronounce it <laughs> how do you pronounce their kid's name i don't know i i don't know I it's one of those things it or something it's one of those things like when when they first announced their child's name i immediately was sick of hearing about it <laughs> you know well, i was like Anyone talks about Grimes or Elon Musk, especially together, I'm already sick of hearing about I'm it. I'm already sick of it. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like everything that they do, they do for attention. And I just don't care. I don't care to give it to them. I don't care. Um, eat the rich. Eat the rich. Um, but yeah, and actually the, the Baba Yaga folklore is pretty interesting too. I Wikipedia that <laughs> and I was looking at it, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, um. It's definitely like, I like horror movies based on old folklore, but they're not always done well, obviously. And that sounds like that was, that was one of them. It, also, I'm, I'm just going to give this away because I don't recommend anyone watch it. So won't be spoilers. So in the movie, they say her house is supposed to be on the border of the world of the living and the world of the dead. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh this kid <laughs> so sacramento runs outside. california <laughs> i'm just kidding that's where we grew up we can we can say that <laughs> <laughs> so this kid runs outside of like the housing complex neighborhood thing because there's a forest right outside he runs into the forest and about five seconds later he finds her house it's just so conveniently right there their neighborhood is on the edge of the land of the living and the land of the dead. <laughs> Housing prices are real cheap out there, you know? That's they weird. are. It's great real estate, you know? <laughs> it's our oh, uh, desperate times, you know? you got to make concessions. Yeah, you know, if you want to live in the land of the, more in the land of the living, you're really going to pay for it price per square foot. We all know that. True, um, true. That's awesome. I kind of just want to rage watch it now just to see it. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I want to rage finish watching it. Oh, okay. You didn't because finish. I did once again pay $5. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for. Oh, 
my God. Yeah, it might not be worth the five bucks, but we'll see. Um, okay, so that's Baba Yaga. Um, and that's Stephanie's um, wrap up of what she watched this week. There's some good stuff in there. Um, and I'll talk about what I watched this week. Again, I, I did watch Anything for Jackson as well. And that's an amazing movie. We'll have to dedicate more time to go into that one sometime because that's was a really good um, movie on Shudder, as Stephanie mentioned. I also uh, watched a independent, super small budget movie that looked really interesting. Um, it's on Amazon called Impossible Horror. Uh, Steph, have you you haven't seen that one before? No, but I've seen it around. I've- yeah. Yeah. And I think I yeah, I mentioned it um once or something. But Impossible Horror is it was it was good. It was definitely an interesting premise. The story kind of follows this uh this person who wants to be a filmmaker and she is trying to find the source of this scream that she hears every night and it's just sort of about her adventures on that, but it's super low budget, very indie, very, um, but very creative at the same time. So I'd recommend it. It's good. It's good for a watch. Uh, Double Date is a, that's a, um, a UK horror movie. That one's good. It's about a guy who goes on a double date with these two sisters who um, are murderers basically. And he goes with his friend um, on this double date with the two of them. And it's just the, about the shenanigans of the night that ensue. Cause he ends up him and one of the sisters end up kind of liking each other. And um, the sisters, this doesn't spoil anything. You find this out immediately, but the sisters are trying to resurrect um, their dad who may have been a Satanist or something. They've learned all these, um, they've learned all these like resurrection spells from him. So they're trying to bring him back because they miss him. So they're just murdering these men kind of across the UK, but they end up going out with, with um, him and his friend and they, one of the sisters ends up really liking him. So it gets complicated. It's good. It's funny. And it's um, relationship status. Yeah. Is complicated. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I want to ritual ritualistically uh, kill him. Yeah. It's cute. It's like a cute, funny, like very, gory bloody movie that definitely entertaining so recommend that one uh and then i rewatched a movie the innkeepers steph doesn't I've, like that one she's shaking I don't her head. like the innkeepers oh man i love that movie i, think I it's hate so the good. i oh. actually rewatched it maybe like a year ago to see if I liked it anymore, and I think I hate it more now. Oh my gosh! I hate. I don't enjoy Ty West. I just. I think his stuff is really boring. Oh man, I, I it's it has all the makings of a movie that I wouldn't like, but I really like it, and I don't. And I think it feels very nostalgic to me. So there's That's like sort of Ty West brand, yeah. Yeah. So there's like some warm and fuzzies that go along with it, and you know, it kind of reminds me of the hotels and buildings um, where it, well, the hotel where it's set. It's set obviously in an inn, and it's about this um, old historic hotel that's closing down um, just because of lack of business. And these two, the only two employees left are there, kind of, you know 
closing it down and taking care of like the few guests that are there. And it's a haunted hotel, but it reminds me of the hotels in uh, Placerville where we, yeah, I can where see we that. lived for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. And I think that's part of it. I think the, like the setting where they're at reminds me of, of being the a carry house hotel. Yeah. yeah. The carry house. Um, the carry house is, is, not to brag, everyone, but it was voted like one of the top 10 most haunted hotels in the U.S. And it was in Placerville, where we lived for a while. So um, I, and the setting reminds me of that. I think that's part of it. But it's just kind of like, it's not, there's nothing like super big that happens in it. And it's kind of silly. It, it's very silly, actually. But I, I, I like that movie for some reason. And I hadn't seen it in like five years. So I just rewatched it. We're all allowed to be wrong sometimes. (laughs) Stephanie is not happy with my choices. Um, (laughs) So that's that's a recap of what we watched this week. Um, Now we're going to jump into our little game time uh, segment of the show. Uh, We thought this would be fun. Each of us came up with five different horror movie quotes or quotes from horror movies. And um, for each other to guess which movie it's from. Um, I'm probably going to be really bad at this because I have a terrible memory. I have the memory of my mother and she's got an awful memory. I do too. (laughs) Um, And Stephanie, Stephanie says she has an awful memory, but I think she's got a good, better one than, than, than me. So I'm a little worried that she's going to, she's absolutely going to win this one, but. It should also be noted that uh, I, I, sort of accidentally <laughs> read Ashley's quotes, the, the first batch of five quotes that she oh, wrote yes. earlier between a shared document. And I was like, um, I do know four out of these five. So I don't, <laughs> I had to delete, I had to restart my quote. me an advantage. <laughs> Stephanie is so good at this already. So I'm totally fucked. But, um, so what we'll do, I think, do you want to go, uh, every other one we'll do like, you can read off the sure. first one, and I'll read off one of mine. Okay, so let's do that. So Steph's going to read off one of her quotes, and then I have to guess what horror movie it's from, and I already can tell I'm going to fail. Okay, and go. <laughs> so the first one I have is, to make an omelet, you have to kill some ex-boyfriends. <laughs> oh, my God. That, okay, so the first thing that comes to my mind, and I know this isn't it, but the first thing that comes to our mind is patchwork, but that's not it. You're actually not very far off. I'm not? Okay. No. Oh, Jesus. And I've absolutely seen this movie. I, well, now I'm less certain that you have. Okay. Um, To kill an omelet, you have to kill some ex-boyfriends. Uh, it's not patchwork. You're very close, though close um your hesitation makes me think you haven't seen it i don't think i have i think i need you to tell me (laughs) so this is from uh chris lee hill and tyler mcintyre's other movie uh tragedy girls oh which came out i think about two years later i was trying to think yes i was trying to think of the name of the movie i haven't seen that movie but i i i that was i know the cover of it and I was like, yeah. I bet it's that movie. I don't know. It just sounds to your You were point. very close, though. Yeah, yeah, I got closer than I thought. Okay. So <laughs> that's a big fail for me, as I predicted. But 
my first quote here is, um, I'll feast on your flesh as I feed on your fear. And this was the one that I thought you were going to get immediately, but you said it was the one that you didn't know from my first list. So now I'm curious what you think it is. This sounds like so many movies and can I get multiple guesses? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Multiple guesses. So I'm just going to put out the, is it an evil dead movie? It's not. Is it Hellraiser? It's not. It's a movie. I'll give you you a clue. It's a movie that you like. (laughs) Okay. Well, that doesn't really (laughs) (laughs) narrow it down. Um, I'll give you a clue. You've seen it. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Well, obviously, no. I don't know. I I should know, but I I can't think of it. What is it? Um, that would be Pennywise from the movie It. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I definitely should have known that. That I'm sorry, Bill. No, you're fine. I, I mean, I, I specifically picked like more ambiguous quotes, so it wasn't so obvious. But that was in his like final fight scene with the kids, where he's screaming at them. Um, that yeah, I remember it. Now. <clears throat> yep. All right. All right. Well, next we're, one for me. Both down. <laughs> zero to zero. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I keep seeing these people all recognizing each other. Something is passing between them all. Some secret. It's a conspiracy. I know it. Okay. So I feel like this has to be from They Look Like People? No. Damn it! <laughs> so sure. I was so sure that was You're, the one I was going to get. You are, once again, not that far off. Okay. Oh, jeez. My other guess was they live, but I don't, this is too deep for they live. Yeah, no, I, it's not they live. I also haven't seen they live, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I keep seeing these people all recognize these passing. Some secret, it's a conspiracy. I know it. God, this sounds so familiar. It's killing me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know this one. I thought I had it. So this is from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, shit. The 70s version. Yes. Oh, damn. That's a good one. That's you good weren't one. far off with They Look Like People. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I keep getting I think, closer. I think than... that gives you about a, a half point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it's be... zero to 0. 0.5. <laughs> Doing All right, we got three. We got yeah. Let's we got a few more each. So let's see who comes out on top. All right. My next quote is: Now, whatever you saw or did is no longer my concern. But let's be clear: it won't end well. Have I seen this movie? Yes, and I okay. believe you just watched it recently. Oh boy! You told me. Yeah, you you told me that you had watched it recently. So that's why I went with something a little bit more ambiguous because I was like, she's going to get it if I pick something too clear. Is it an older movie? No. By by no, I mean it came out like in the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm I, I I'm not very good at this. No, I would have crushed fine. the I'm, last I'm much, round. I'm, I'm happy that it's not just like it, you're breezing through these and I'm struggling. It makes me feel good about myself and where I'm at. Um, this one's from Green Room. Oh. It's Patrick Stewart. It's a Patrick Stewart quote. Yeah. Yeah. Sure but is. it's so ambiguous. That was a hard one. That was a really hard one. It is one. very ambiguous. Okay. All right. Next one for, for me. All right. It was always you, Helen. It was always you. Oh, God. I see you highlighting one of the quotes. Are you Googling? Are you cheating? No. Sorry. I was just... <laughs> um, uh, it was always you, Helen. It was always you. Okay, so I'm gonna ask some deductive questions. Go for it. Is this a recent movie, like last 10 years? No. Okay. That was my only deductive question that I had. It's excellent. <laughs> uh, deductive question. Um... Um, this isn't, Hellraiser? It is not. Okay. Is there anyone in Hellraiser named Helen? I, I don't remember. I'm terrible. I'm, all right. I'm terrible with names, number one. I don't remember okay. anyone's name. I this game is maybe... going really well. Yeah. <laughs> For both of us, I yeah. think. Wait, okay, one more. Okay. Because um, I'm trying to think of movies where, like, the bad guy is obsessed with someone um, in an older. It's not. And that could be, like, anything. My other I thought was. I give you a. Oh, okay, go on. yes, no, give me a clip. My, okay, my okay. other guess was Nightmare on Elm Street, but I don't think there's someone in It Elm. is not. Okay. I don't think there is. Uh, so the clue is that there was supposed to be a remake of it coming out this year, but it was postponed. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. No, but there's no Helen in that. I, dude, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. It's Candyman. Oh, fuck. I've never seen Candyman, actually. Well, I'm doing really good at picking movies yeah. that you've seen. <laughs> never seen that one, um, which I know makes me a bad horror fan. I need to get on that. Um, all right. So my next one is this is a this is a very recent movie, but it's this is a hard quote, too. You should go in knowing that your odds ain't good and you will probably die. And then the second person says, don't be negative. <laughs> so I actually recently rewatched this and yeah. I think it's Mandy. Yes, it is. We got our first one. Woo! Somebody five. Right. Jesus Christ. Also, you skipped a quote. Oh, yes, I did. I'll, I'll do that on the next. I'll do it on the next one. I think you're going to get that one, too. I am. You know why Jimi Hendrix died? He didn't have fill in the blank and a set of handcuffs to save his life. And the, the fill in the blank is the character's full name. Oh, man. All right. Give me some clues about this one. This doesn't ring a bell either. <laughs> I don't 
don't know if there's any good clues that won't just give it away. Yeah. It did come out within the last 10 years. Okay. It has basically one setting. Okay. Couple settings, but takes place mainly in one place. Mm. <laughs> this isn't monster. No, no. Monster's a good movie too. You all should watch that one. Um, it is. It mostly takes place in a car. It has one setting. Oh, that's the monster. The monster. Sorry. Um. God, I. And it's All recent. Right. And it takes place in one place, and it's not the monster. This isn't dead end, right? <laughs> it is not dead end. Okay. All right. Tell me. I haven't gotten any so, of these. This is resolution. Oh shit. <laughs> so, do you know what the fill in the blank is? Um, no, because I don't ever remember people's names. <laughs> so it's, you know why Jimi Hendrix died? He didn't have Mike Danube and a set of handcuffs to save his life. Oh, <laughs> Love you, Mike Danube. That's such a good movie. Um, okay. So this one, Steph's absolutely going to get. Um, it could look like someone you know, or it could look like someone in a crowd. They look like people. No. What? No, actually. Okay. But, I mean, that it, yeah, I mean, it kind of, it's not the same story at all. But it's like, I, I could see why you think that that does sound like it's coming from that movie, for sure. Not the same story. But. Stephanie's doing her thinking face for all you listeners out there. <laughs> My thinking face is praying to the horror gods to please <laughs> restore my memory. Yeah. We've got one more each to come please, out on top. Because I know this one. So far, it's 0.5 to, to 1, I think. Between the two of us. This is going to kill me, but just tell me what it is. Because I can't remember. It is, um, it follows. <laughs> all right i'm done yeah, yeah. i'm out i'm out you got one more I'll leave. no you got we got one more each okay this is our last one this is the last chance we have to redeem ourselves and okay. i already don't know what this is okay go ahead the color it's so bright like flowers oh yes the color from out of space or the color of out of outer space or i can't remember the <laughs> You get a 0.5 deduction for getting the title wrong. <laughs> it's the color out of space. Damn it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you got 1.5. Yes. I love that movie. Um, all right. Last one is that's a drum roll. It's me doing a drum roll. All right. So the last one for the big point is who is Captain Howdy? The Exorcist. Yeah. The Exorcist he? is Captain Howdy. All right. Steph won. It's two points to one and a half, I think. Yep. <laughs> well, we got a big fat F on that game. Join this us This is a great for... achievement for both yeah. of us. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, we picked some hard quotes, I think, too. Um, 
we were trying to fool each other because we're, um, you know, we're sisters. So we got to one up the other one. So I think I went a little bit too ambiguous and some of those, those could be from any movie. <laughs> yeah. Literally anything. Um, great. That was good fun. <laughs> good job. Um, so now we're moving into the, the kind of main portion of the show, which is talking about our recommendations, uh, for 2020, but also talking a little bit about, there's been a lot of media coverage and articles talking about like horror movies this year and the genre and, you know, diving into why people, why it's so necessary this year, how horror fans are dealing with the um, pandemic in general. Um, And then there's some criticisms of it at the same time. So we'll go into that a bit um, before we end the show on our 2020 um, movie recommendations. So, um, so Steph, you want to kick us off with some of these? We've got some pretty dumb takes that we have here at the top. So some articles that talked about um, horror movies in 2020, and we don't quite agree with what they have to say, but um, Steph, I'll kind of let you take that away and then we'll go into what we do agree with here towards the end. So, you know, I kind of came across these just like I always do, which is I always get articles recommended to me, you know, what are the best movies of 2020, of 2019? Um, What are the best horror movies that did this? All that. So uh, I go into those articles with a little grain of salt. Uh, A lot of the time I've already seen everything, so it's not really anything new for me. Um, Sometimes I will find something new that actually sounds interesting a lot of the time what i notice is i am not sure why this publication hired this writer when they don't appear to be a fan of horror or they just don't really i mean not to sound like an asshole but that's sort of going to be the topic of the whole episode is they don't really you know they don't really get it like I do. I don't get it. Well, they don't. And I think they don't. Your point. Yeah. It's like uh, some it, of writers, they clearly just, they don't it, like horror or they're not fans. So it doesn't, they're really not fans. It, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of critical thinking for writing these, these words. I don't really know how to describe it other than it. It's not exclusive to 2020. It happens every year. It happens, yeah. you know, in many articles. Um, Unless it's from a specific horror publication like Bloody Disgusting, where hopefully if you write for Bloody Disgusting, you like horror. But if it's not something like that where it's hyper-specific on horror, there tends to be a lot of condescension as there is in pretty much all aspects of how people at large interact with horror is there's a lot of condescension. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lesser genre uh being in a horror movie is like committing Hollywood suicide. It's, you know, it, it's all sorts of really bad takes. <laughs> so it's not really anything new, but I think it's something that's especially important to talk about during 2020, because this among, you know, many horrific years in recent memory, it's probably one of the most horrific for a lot of people and the most life-changing, I think. So a good example of this is a Rolling Stone article that I came across where they just talk about the 
something like the 10, you know, top horror recommendations of the year. Uh, they start off saying you could argue that we didn't necessarily need horror movies this year. There was an abundance of real life terror to contend with from a pandemic with no immediate end in sight to the waking nightmare that was our presidential election. What's scarier than a day in the life of Trump's America circa 2020. And then they, they go into, well, you know, maybe we did need it. And here's a little bit of why, but then they go on to say none of the exemplary scary movies on this list were directly about what was happening outside our stuck in lockdown doors. But more importantly, none of them ignored the real world either. And yeah. I, I have some some problems with this uh, because in in times of need with horror, which is you could say every year, yeah, <laughs> every year there's something awful going on. Doesn't matter. Uh, the the movies that come out, the horror movies, sometimes they'll be directly about it, but they often they won't name names a lot of the time. Uh, it'll be indirectly about it. It'll be capturing, you know, something that we're feeling deep inside of us that the year is bringing up for us. I think Host maybe isn't quite a good example of this because it does pretty directly talk about the pandemic. But it does explore this isolation that we have and sort of this new reality that we're all experiencing. Yeah. And how we can't even go to each other's houses you know, for support or in that movie to complete this uh, ritual, this seance that they have that's supposed to be done in person. You're supposed to be holding each other's hands, not virtually. It, you know, it, in the movie, that's not what makes everything go wrong. Um, but it's it's an interesting take on, you know, something that's supposed to be done in person that in our new reality, we can't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's That's funny. Not... Oh, go ahead. Go on. You go. Oh, on. I was just gonna say it. It's funny because the uh, the ones that you shared where they do make that argument, and even in some of the other ones, they touch on the same idea of. I think it's just the. It's like the fun, lead into. The top horror movies of 2020 is to say that 2020 was a horror movie. Like, haha, you know. Exactly. But here's yeah. Why? Why would movie. we need? So it's just like yeah. It's it, it's like the the angle that everyone decided to go with is just what it feels like. Because how funny is that of a joke to make about a year that was awful? You know. So it it's just kind of it's not the most original take, and it seems to be the one that if, like quite a few places went with uh, Rolling Stone being one of them. And then Steph's got another article on here that she's going to talk about in a sec, but yeah, it's just not super original or and it, 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 it kind of shows a lack of understanding of what, what it's what for and or brings to the community that really enjoys it. Like being, uh, being, it's going to make me sound really, uh, like a teenager, but being really misunderstood, you know, is not something that's brand new to people who love horror and scary things. Like that's not, it's, of course, it's very, a very popular genre, but that's not an incredibly new take on what 
it's not an incredibly new criticism of people that love horror. So it just kind of feels like another dumb take on it. It's just exactly like, you know, you could say the same thing at the end of 2019. You could say the same thing at the end of 2018, 2017, 2016. Yeah. That's how long we've been in Trump's America. You could say that. I mean, before all of that happened, but you could say that in from 2016 to 2020, it just so happens that we're ending the year on a pandemic. Yeah. But it's it's been horrifying the entire time. So what does it what's scarier than a day in the life of Trump's America? I I don't know. What also, is scarier? Also that that line pisses me off because it's a very tone deaf thing to say as well because it just assumes that America was good like before Trump and you know like we, I mean that's a whole another topic that we don't need to get into but it's just a whole like I don't know it just feels very lazy it feels like a very lazy lead into it's very lazy it, it's not it doesn't seem like this is coming from someone who actually understands what they're talking about and really they should not be given this piece and it's just sort of exhausting seeing the same thing be churned out year after year where it's just, Oh, this year was horrifying. You know, we didn't need something scary. We don't need something even scarier than 2020. Something comforting, something, you know, that's nice and distracts you. Um, But as we'll talk about a little later, there are multiple studies that, uh, indicate that people who engage with horror a lot more are actually coping with the pandemic a whole lot better and the anxiety of the pandemic it, in general. You know, it's a very general statement, but generally you have better sort of emotional, mental, psychological tools available to you for, uh, you know, managing your horror, managing your fear and your anxieties. Yeah. Which yeah. which makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that article that you shared was really interesting. Um she's got uh, Stephanie has a has an article that she'll talk about. Um, and and that's a that's a pretty good uh you know, lead into what the rest of the, the episode's going to be about is uh why do we need it? Well, to deal with the horror of this year. We don't need to be, you know, there's something to say for distraction, for avoidance, you know, things like that. That's, that's okay. That's, but that's a temporary way to deal with things. You can't avoid everything forever. And while when you watch a horror movie, you are engaging with a fiction. So it is a, you know, it's a form of escapism still. In my opinion, it's more closely grounded in reality than, you know, rom-com. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, that's. <laughs> have you ever rewatched doing... some two thousands rom coms? You'll you'll see how detached from reality they are, <laughs> and, and how incredibly are. in touch with reality that horror movies are. Yeah, in in general, the good ones, <laughs> right? Like e- how... Even if it's something that it is not plausible, like all supernatural horror. No, that's not. Th- these things aren't going to happen. They don't happen. But a lot of the time, it, it's not about those things. It's talking about <laughs> these very real horrors that happen in our life, like the grudge that's about domestic abuse. That's not. It's not saying, hey, this is a real thing that could happen. You know, someone has killed their wife, their wife, their ghost comes back 
and as this vengeful spirit, no, that's that's probably not going to happen. But the effects of domestic abuse are long reaching and and generational and they last and they they generational and it in itself is like a sickness. So, yeah, no, that's perfectly put. And I that study. So um, we're talking about what Steph and I are are chatting about and what she's referencing is um, a study from you can find it on sciencedirect.com, but it's about how horror fans in particular. Um, and there's some other, there's some other types of people they talk about in the same study, but how horror fans deal with the COVID-19 pandemic specifically and how, um, they tend to experience their findings pointed to the fact that fans of horror tend to experience less psychological distress during, uh, the Mm COVID-19 pandemic. And they, go into why that may be. And we touched on this a little bit in our first episode, but we talked about how horror provides a safe space for you to deal with something really stressful, right? You get to watch something really stressful or a dangerous situation play out on screen from a safe environment. And it teaches your brain and it kind of helps your brain move through the motions of trying to deal with this stress in a way that's that's safe. Like you know that you're not physically in danger, you're not actually going to get hurt, you're not going to die. You're just watching it happen and you're you're very immersed in it, but you know that you're safe. So it was a really interesting um read this this particular study and their findings was really interesting because um it broke that down in relation to how horror fans are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and how they're experiencing less um, psychological distress because we're, we're primed (laughs) and we're, our brains are are trained to uh, deal with things, deal with these stressful situations and we can kind of self-regulate a little bit differently than other people do. Um, And I pulled out a couple quotes here that I thought was really interesting. Um, But they say right here, yeah, like controlled, uh, or I'm sorry, let me scroll down to this quote. Like, in addition to learning how to navigate dangerous situations through simulations, people may also learn to navigate their own emotions. Indeed, previous research has demonstrated that visitors in a commercial haunted house actively use a range of emotion regulation strategies to regulate fear levels and achieve maximum pleasure. <laughs> and while this year is not pleasurable by any stretch of the imagination, I think that. Um, having that, uh, you know, emotional intelligence to be able to regulate your own emotions as they come up has been extremely helpful this year. And horror has been super cathartic in a way that it's always been cathartic for, for me, for Stephanie, for I'm sure all of you who also love the same um, movies and books that we do, but it's just been, this year has, has been um, just something else entirely. So having that, having that muscle already you know, primed and ready to go has been very helpful. Yeah. It, it, it's a particular part of yourself. And like you said, like a specific muscle that, you know, for lack of a better term, we have worked out. We're <laughs> I, it's know, in shape. I, I was trying to think you know? of a way to say that in a not weird no. way. Too. <laughs> I don't think there's a better way. 
but it, it, it's a well-exercised muscle, I think, for people who regularly engage with horror. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, it, it depending on the kind that you engage with, but the, at least the kind that I really enjoy, which there's a broad range, but the, the kind that I'm most attracted to is, I think, like I talked about in the first episode, where it's it's taking this deep, dark part of yourself or deep, dark part of, you know, humanity or society or, you know, whatever. And it's dragging it out in the open and it's making you confront it. And even that in itself is stressful. For me, it's not, it, there's not a fear factor. It's, uh, it's more just a emotional catharsis therapeutic situation. You know, it's, it's kind of like a going to therapy, yeah. I think, at least for me. Um, and I say that as someone who goes to therapy. That's what it feels like, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it, it, it's a nice way to maybe it will bring up memories of things that happened to you that you haven't thought about in a long time or that you push, you push down like traumas or something that you haven't pushed down, but it's something you haven't quite dealt with yet. And then you see it fleshed out on screen um and it's just really touching and it also makes you feel less alone (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i think good horror does it says hey you're not alone we're all in this together guess what's horrifying the ultimate horror is existing and the ultimate horror is existing with each other that's terrifying yes that's i mean Horror is what we create, the world that we create for each other and how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And being able to explore that, and especially during times of great, you know, a, a lot of broad societal tension and, you know, in terms of the pandemic, global tension, that cannot, it, it cannot be overstated how useful that is. We need that so badly because we need to just like have something release or else we are all going to explode. Yeah, absolutely. For some people, you know, it looks like making sourdough loaves. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I also like Stop to Stop hoarding bread. the yeast, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I That's also, a different topic. I but. also enjoy making bread. But um, horror has been incredibly... It's been such an incredible outlet and kind of exploration of your own, my own emotions, you know, for my whole, my whole life. And I think that you watch movies back that touched you in a, you know, in an emotional way 10 years ago, and it hits you in a different way now, you know, and it just, you evolve and you, you watch horror movies and, you know, your reactions to them change based on the emotional state that you're in. And, um, it just speaks to how psychological they are, you know, and how um, they don't hold back. (laughs) Like they're going to make you look at it and make you deal with it. And you're going to, you're going to have to sit with it. Um, And you come out changed a little bit on the other side, you know, there's no, there's no denying that you see things a little bit differently after you watch a really good horror movie. Right. Um, And I think this study just speaks really well to that. And um, what what I thought was interesting, though, is they said uh, 
this is this is something that I, I took out of it that being a horror fan was associated with lower psychological distress, but not associated with positive resilience, which means a positive emotional state during the pandemic. That was associated with um, people who had morbid curiosity, is what they called it. So people who actively uh, seek out, you know, stories that are quote, you know, quote unquote morbid, um, so mm-hmm. stories about death or violence. Um, and that was the only group that was associated that was found to have positive resilience during the COVID nineteen pandemic. So, um, which no no shade to that, but it is a little bit of a distinction there um, that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, uh, that that makes sense to me. You know, you you seek out these stories. And maybe sort of like, I mean, literally what they say, a morbid curiosity, but also it it's, can be informational and it can be instructive. So you, depends on what it is, but, you know, you can see what this person did, what didn't work or something, you know, like what didn't yeah. work, what, what to do, what to keep in mind. I think that's, it can, they can be very instructional and yeah. very useful in a, yeah. a, again, in a very morbid kind of way, but there is an actual function to that. Absolutely. And it, and I think one thing that they talked about um, when I was reading it was that the morbid curiosity is more about finding the pandemic interesting um, instead of fear-inducing and stress-inducing. They find it, um, people with a morbid curiosity found it interesting. So when the story came out, they were very interested in it and they wanted to learn more. And it was very stimulating for them in a positive way. Like, they're like, Oh, like I want to know more about that. So it wasn't, it wasn't like (laughs) people are enjoying the fact that, you know, millions of people are sick and dying. It's more about being very interested in the subject matter. It's such a, um, it's one that is affecting everyone and they want to know more about it. Instead of avoiding it, I, yeah, I think that's a clear distinction. You know, it, being interested and engaged in it instead of avoiding it, instead of using some sort of avoidance technique by just, you know, you can turn off the news, that's fine, but at some point you need to be informed. You yeah. know, you can not think about it, that's fine. You don't need to be thinking about it all the time, but at some point you need to think about it. <laughs> you need to consider the ramifications in your own life and the actions that you're taking. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, there's a pretty high uh, chance that you know someone who has been affected by it. Yeah. Or you yourself have been affected by it. Mm-hmm. So it's something you have to, at some point confront because you one have to go into the outside world. Uh, you have to get your mail. You if you don't go to get your groceries normally, you have to arrange for someone to get your groceries or you have to order it. And hopefully for all of you out there, when you're getting your mail, you are handling it like it, the package itself is infected and you wash your hands immediately afterward. You make sure everything is as clean as possible. But that in itself is confronting the pandemic because you have to acknowledge that it's happening. That's not an avoidance, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I People who are, you know, like we were saying, are uh, that muscle is a bit more worked out. Uh, it, it's a lo- it's a lot easier for that to happen. It's easier to confront it rather than just not think about it. Yeah, I know. And the the last thing I'll say about about that article that I thought was funny was the the people who um, 
they got a little bit deeper into like the horror genre and the people who primarily loved like the prep the prepper end of the world movies like apocalypse movies zombie movies people who are really into those specifically felt very prepared for the covid-19 pandemic <laughs> they they rated their preparedness for the pandemic as really high and i think that that's mm-hmm. really funny because um the movies that they enjoy and that they watch are about preparing for the end of the world you know and that's a that's a very that's a subgenre of of the larger horror genre and they they because of that they feel very prepared and ready to take it on i thought that was funny <laughs> another interesting thing um is that the movie contagion which i haven't seen um that suddenly spiked in popularity yeah. on streaming services in the yeah. first few months of the pandemic i still haven't seen it um i don't really plan on it <laughs> watching specifically watching um right now concerning a pandemic i guess is maybe that's my little avoidance technique i don't really like to watch that but i'm also not generally into pandemic type end of the world same movies anyway um but you know i'll allow myself that avoidance technique i guess i don't really know but it 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 came out 10 years ago it's not like it's new it's not like it came out specifically during (laughs) This viral outbreak yeah. where it's like, oh, maybe that wasn't in fantastic taste to come out immediately after everything has started. Mm-hmm. But no, it came out a while ago. And then all of a sudden, all of these people started watching it. And I saw it everywhere. And I'm like, Netflix, Amazon, I don't want to watch Contagion. <laughs> I know. stop recommending it. To I me. know. And I... It's because so many people are engaging with this movie. And I think that's a really, that's, there's a lot to be said for that where there were a lot of people that were engaging with the pandemic as soon as it started. I mean, what does that say about the usefulness of the genre? People needed to interact with it in this safer way and get some sort of release from it. I, I don't know what happens in the movie, so I, I don't know what kind of release I comes like, about. But Yeah, I feel like I saw that movie a, a long time ago, but now, I don't, now I'm doubting myself. Um, was that the one with Gwyneth Paltrow? And she's like I a no. She's like a scientist, and she's married to somebody. I'm going to get it completely wrong, but um, because, like I said, I'm, I'm with Stephanie. I'm not a huge like pandemic, contagious virus. She is fan. in it. Okay. <laughs> yes. There you go. I got one thing right on the show. I didn't get any of the movie quotes right, but I got that one right. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, she's like a scientist, and she's married to the star of the movie who is who's the star of the movie stephanie since you're looking it up i think it's matt damon yes thank you matt damon i was gonna say mark Wahlberg, but that's not correct um i wouldn't be surprised if he was in it there are a lot of famous people in this movie morgan freeman including lawrence fishburne oh okay (laughs) lawrence fishburne morgan freeman he's either in that or a different movie about a viral viral outbreak I don't see Morgan Freeman, I think he's but in, I do see Dimitri one. Martin. Mm. Yeah, uh, Morgan so Freeman said an older film about it. Maybe I need to watch this movie. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, it's something not. Something that has Dimitri exactly. Martin, uh, Jude Law, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, God. No. Anyways, Boy. yeah, it's... it's um. 
I, I, I have no interest in watching that movie either. I'm, I'm good. I, I also bought the, the board game pandemic when we, that was in January of 2020, I think. Um, and I remember there was an outbreak. So I, I live in, uh, Seattle and there was an outbreak not far from us in Kirkland and we had just bought this game and I remember sitting we were like getting something to eat um and I was sitting and was talking about it with my my boyfriend and I remember thinking like oh that's weird like you know something happened in Kirkland at like a, a senior living facility and I remember holding this game and I was like oh you know like that's kind of funny that we bought this game and this thing, this like things happening, huh? Like it's probably not that big of a deal. Hopefully everyone's okay. Like, you know, I don't know. Like we didn't know anything about it. And then, you know, lo and behold, like a month, a month or two later, um, Washington really started getting hit pretty hard. And I, I just couldn't play the game. Yeah. Yeah. We, we opened it up and if you've ever played pandemic, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, but we opened it up and, you know, there's like reading the instructions. You have to start like <laughs> you're reading the rules and it's saying things like there's an outbreak in this city and riots are starting and you have to shut it down and all of this stuff. And I was like, this is too, I can't like, cause I didn't know if that was going to happen, you know, yeah. around the world. There's, I didn't know what was going on. I had to uninstall this game that I really liked called Plague Inc., Yes, I love that game. Because you specifically <laughs> have to spread a global pandemic and kill yeah. everyone before they invent the cure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no. No, I'm good. Just not do that. It was a little bit too, a little too on the nose. Um, but yeah, so right. long story short, what we're saying is that, you know, horror fans, we were, we were well primed to deal with um, a level of stress that, you know, I mean, none of, nobody was completely ready, but we were pretty primed to deal with, um, you know, some of the stress and just scariness that comes with the way the world was in 2020 and, and will continue to be into 2021 um, because we regularly put ourselves in, in situations where we're dealing with complex and frightening imagery and emotions head on. So um, in that study, um, is really interesting if you want to check it out. Um, and we've got a couple of like, we'll, we'll go into, I think our, our recommendations for 2020. Now we've got some book recommendations and, and I think we'll talk more in depth about books. Um, some, some of these books in later episodes too, because they're full of good stuff. Um, but Steph, did you want to talk about those a little bit before we go into the movie recommendations for the year? Yeah. So I just had two books that I've been reading. Um, I just started reading Why Horror Seduces by Matthias Clayson. Uh, it is fantastic. It, I literally started reading it today. Um, it's sort of going into a more scientific side of why we enjoy horror and sort of, like it says, uh, the evolutionary social sciences and goes into how our brains are wired and, you know, sort of the, what am I trying to say? Like a scientific biological imperative mm. to engage with these scary things, to engage with fear. 
Um, so I'm really looking forward to reading more about that. And then there's another book that I've been reading pretty much all year. Uh, it's very dense. It's very academic. So it's a bit difficult to get through, but it's called Monster Theory. And it's a collection of essays on various aspects of monster culture, uh, what the monster is, you know, um, specific monsters. There's a whole essay on Beowulf. Um, I'm currently reading an essay on Chang and Eng, um, who's a, if you don't already know, famous um, conjoined Siamese twins back in like the 1800s, early 1800s. Um, it's not discussing their monstrousness. That's not what it's discussing. It's discussing the American sort of cultural attitude toward them and how we treated them at the time. Um, it's very interesting. And the editor of the book is Jeffrey Jerome Cohen. And it's, it's a good one to check out. Like I said, it's very dense. So you have to take your time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll absolutely talk about that one. I know for sure. Um, in a later podcast, I'm going to grab a copy of that one too. Cause that's, that sounds fascinating. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Yeah. So to wrap up that, that segment, our, the moral of the story is is that um, horror was a big help for a lot of us this year, and we're not really sure why certain people wrote 2020 horror movie recap articles that didn't like horror. That doesn't really make much sense, um, especially because it's just such an awesome, perfect genre, and you're not allowed to say anything bad about it. <laughs> it is. It, it's true. You're not, or else we'll come for you on our podcast. And I'll talk, I'll talk shit about you in the privacy of my own living room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But Um, you know why it, it, not only is it entertaining, but it's also crucial to our mental health, especially during times of great distress. Oh, like the pandemic. If you don't have horror, in my opinion, you're not, you're not going to have a very easy time with anything in life, especially something like this, something as overwhelmingly terrifying and anxiety-inducing as a global pandemic, something that none of us have lived through in our lifetimes. Unless you are 101 and you lived, you were a baby in the 1919 pandemic. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, <laughs> grandma. grandma. Okay, not everything is about you. <laughs> We're in two pandemics. We know. Great. You're so cool. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously, like, there's a lot more that goes into into regulating your anxieties and all of that. But horror is just one of those genres that deals with really hard to talk about subjects in a really creative, um, therapeutic way. And we highly recommend you get into it. But I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is not into it. So... On the fence. We're preaching. We're probably preaching to the choir. Um, Great. So we will uh, just launch right into our last segment here, which is we're just going to talk about our 2020 horror movie recommendations. So movies that came out this year that we watched and and loved. So, um, Steph, I'll let you kind of kick us off with your list. Well, so our lists are kind of mixed. We obviously share favorites on this list so um Steph I'll let you tackle the the first one there and then we'll kind of I'll go into mine and we'll switch yeah so we can just go over the ones that we've both seen so yeah of course anything for Jackson 
a very recent addition, uh, host his house, uh, The Lodge, which technically came out in 2019, but it was one of those that tours the film festivals and then it was yeah. not released on streaming for a long time. I We're counting it as I have a lot of feelings on The Lodge because I waited so long for The Lodge. The Lodge is so good. And it finally so came out. say about it. It's amazing. Um, oh, really it's good. good, really dark, uh, really, really twisty and turny. So you don't really ever know what's, what's going on. And we love that. I love that. Very dark. If you've seen Good Night, Mommy, uh, yes. it's the same directors. Oh, it's I didn't know very that. bleak. Yeah, well, that makes a lot um, more sense. I would say <laughs> bleak and mean spirited, but it's it's in a good way. <laughs> Trust us. So I I've told Stephanie this story, but I'll tell you all. I watched Good Night, Mommy. I downloaded it before a plane ride somewhere. I don't remember where I was going, but I downloaded I it. About that. <laughs> And I had a middle seat on the airplane and I just, for some reason decided to, and you know, this was back, this was a while ago. This was back when like my computer, my laptop computer was like the size of a brick shit house. It was just huge. And I had it sitting on the train. (laughs) It didn't come out that long ago. So. Okay, I've been poor for a long time, so I didn't I didn't <laughs> yeah, have a new yeah. computer for a while. So I had this old Dell laptop that was real big, real clunky, and I downloaded Goodnight Mommy off of iTunes, and I was going to watch it on this plane ride, and I was sitting in a middle seat, and I'm playing this movie, and it's just the most violent, like, the last 30 minutes of that movie are just these two little kids just torturing this woman to death who they think might not be their mother and it's such a good movie but it's so violent and if you're I was listening to it obviously with headphones in so you know the people to my sides are just watching me (laughs) watching this movie of these children like torturing an adult and it just I'm like I watched the whole thing I still finished it I thought it was awesome but it was it was a very funny viewing experience (laughs) I love it. Um, But yes, the lodge is, is so good. Um, Agreed on that one. And um, host is something we cover on the website too. You should check out our review of host. There's a lot to say about that. That was kind of the first, they call it core horror, quarantine horror movie. Steph touched on Mm -hmm. it earlier in the episode too, but super good. Uh, And then the last movie where, uh, you've indicated that you've also seen is the color out of space, which is just great. It's my favorite uh, Lovecraft short story. It also has Nicolas Cage, our favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicolas Cage, the Lin Shay of regular movies. <laughs> <laughs> also sometimes horror movies. And I wish he would just only do horror movies. Honestly. Same. He's a perfect horror actor. Like he's perfect. He is absolutely perfect. He could do so much. Anyway, that's a. I could go on a rant, but uh, we're, we're already already an hour into this. So needless to say, it is fantastic. I think it would have still been good without him, but it's just, of course, elevated to an entirely new level of going oh, off the, the rails yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> because of him. Um, and then the other ones that I've seen or you've seen Relic. Relic is the next yes. one on my list. But I didn't okay. like it as much as Stephanie. 
and I know I'm the minority. Oh, so I didn't put my I didn't put my little name next to it on our list because I wasn't like I I wasn't the biggest fan. I loved some scenes in that movie for sure, but I wasn't the biggest fan of the the end and the. I'm getting this. I'm getting. I'm getting a bad face from Steph, and I'm sure you can all sense it. You can sense the tension, but yeah, I didn't. (laughs) It was a good movie. I. I have thoughts. <laughs> but it's okay. We can move on from this mistake. We're fighting. So the next one. Yeah, we're in a fight now. Um, the next one, I think it's a little bit more contentious because a lot of people didn't like it. And I don't think it's perfect at all. But it does have Lynn Shay. And it's the 2020 uh, sort of reboot-ish of The Grudge by Nicholas Pesci. Mm-hmm. I... I know a lot of people didn't like yeah, it. And I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. It's not perfect. There's a lot of it that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does have Lin Shay. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, the grudge is a solid story. Like we said, it's a good story. It's got a lot of depth to it. Um, I did not like the remake. I just I, I part ways with Stephanie on that one, but Lin Shay is in it. So it does have some some A lot of it is fairly garbage, but it has uh John Cho, it has yeah. Andrea Riseborough, it has Lynn Shea, and it has Betty Gilpin. And honestly, give me those four any day of the week. I will watch the movie and I will like it because of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regardless of how they handled the rest of the story like they did in The Grudge. But that's fine. So the next one is uh, My Valentine, which is from the Into the Dark series on Hulu. It was the February 2020 installment. Really great. Can't recommend it enough. Fantastic. I have next is I need to watch it. It's great. It's really good. It's just if I talk about it, it's I'm just gonna give it away. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, <laughs> very colorful. It's just it's beautiful. Uh the next one is it's a lot less of just a straight horror and more of like a horror comedy type of thing, but it's the wolf of snow hollow. Love it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Love it. I forgot to put my uh, name next to that one, but yes. Oh, okay. Very good. And then the last one that I have is After Midnight, which is also more of a fusion of, it's described as a horror romance movie. It is very sweet. Um, it's just great. Yeah, that's, features, that's been on my list. I need, to, I need to pick that one up. That's been on my list of movies to watch. It's not by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, but they're involved with the movie, and Justin Benson is in the movie he's one of the actors and i love it also they just came out with a movie called synchronic which is still not available streaming it's only in theaters i have not seen it but i already recommend it because i know (laughs) it's going to be good because i trust them with my life i love those two guys (laughs) let's hope you don't eat those words no i'm kidding um and then you had you have sputnik on here too I did skip Sputnik accidentally. Sputnik is fantastic. See, this is, I realized after I watched Sputnik that uh, apparently I have been missing out on Russian horror. So this is why I went to Baba Yaga, (laughs) the terror of the forest or whatever, terror of the dark forest. My bad. Very confident, you know, and I was betrayed by Russia (laughs) No, I wasn't betrayed. Russia, by Russia. I was just—it was just bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's just bad. But Sputnik is is great. If Russia's done Sputnik. one thing wrong, no. 
Hey, it's that. It is that. No, let's let's not <laughs> let's not go down. Yeah, we're not going down that path. Um, but I, Russia, yeah. if you're listening, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you did great on Sputnik. Yeah. Right? I love it. <laughs> I I need to watch Sputnik. That's the other one that's like high on the list. Um, don't read or listen to any of the reviews that are like oh, I have so derivative, so derivative of Alien. Listen. Everyone also, shut up. I'm not I don't care about things being similar to other things. Like if they do it well and it's like and it's a good story still and it's like whatever I I just that All? critique has never really there's no unique ideas on earth. So I don't really The only thing it has to do with Alien is the director did say that he was very much inspired by Alien and Ridley Scott and there's an alien in the movie. Yeah. That's so, it. That's yeah. the whole that's that's the whole connection. That's, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't I don't ever like when they say it's it's similar to something else. Okay, I don't really care, you know. Who cares? As long as it stands up fine on its own and it's good, then I consider it its own thing. So, who cares? Um And by the way, and like who isn't inspired by H.R. Geiger and Alien and all of that. You know what I mean? Alien was was seminal. Yeah. <laughs> Alien uh, defined modern space horror. So yeah. it makes sense that it's, it might seem like it because that set the standard for space horror as we know yeah, it. Right. And I've seen some things that are trying to do Alien and did not do it very well. Um, and... Yes, that's specifically a knock on Prometheus, a movie that's in the Alien universe and directed by Ridley Scott. Such a bad movie. And it's movie. terrible. I was so <laughs> excited for that movie, and it was so bad. Um, yeah. But not, anyway, not I rest anyway, my case. Yeah, so there. that's a thank you stuff for that, that great list. Um, I had some of mine on there, too, as we talked about. And then I'll just end with, I have four on here that I don't know if Steph has seen some of these or I know you don't agree with me on a couple of them. So let's get into it. Um, Come to daddy. I loved that movie so much. It's with Elijah Wood and he is just so good in it. And the movie itself starts off as one thing and it turns into a completely different type of movie. And um, I don't know if you remember me talking about this in episode one, but um, my love of kind of druggy, <laughs> strange films comes through hard and come to daddy. There's some definitely you feel a little bit out of, out of it, a little foggy, a little bit messed up, especially towards the end of the movie when things start getting really violent and the characters start getting, um, you know, they're not all there anymore. That's probably why I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was so good. The violence gets a little bit hard to watch to be honest, because it's so, um, so violent at the end, but I really liked it. I thought it was a really, really good movie, really fun in like a really scary, dangerous way. So definitely recommend that one that came out, I think in January of this year, uh, Gretel and Hansel. I love that movie. I love it. So good. I um, saw that in theaters. It's great. Oh, you did? I oh, love it. Yeah. Um, was that the last movie you saw in theaters before? I don't know. I can't remember Probably. what the last movie was I saw in theaters before. 
I don't know. But I don't remember anything. <clears throat> this is good. Especially I saw, before COVID. <laughs> yeah. I saw a review that said, um, I think they were trying to be snarky, but Gretel and Hansel has been just praised for its cinematography and the beautiful sets and costuming and atmosphere. And um, somebody said something, like I said, that I think they were trying to be snarky about it. They said it felt like a Marilyn Manson music video, like a really long Marilyn Manson music video. And I was like, okay, like, I don't, I could see that. Is that a criticism? But I don't, but uh, yeah, the rest of the review was pretty snarky and I've seen really mixed reviews on this one. Um, And I agree, like the story doesn't really, especially towards the end, it feels like it kind of comes apart a little bit or it doesn't really reach the climax that it was building up to. Um, But I, I still really liked it. I still like I would live in that world in a heartbeat. I just love the world that they built so much. It's so beautiful. They filmed it in Ireland and the landscape is just gorgeous. And it's just such a great movie. I would also live in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, I would live in Ireland. Obviously I did. I mean, no, I did. I lived in Scotland for a little couple years, but Ireland is gorgeous. And um, Gretel and Hansel is also gorgeous. Recommend that one. Um the Mortuary Collection is a cute, I would describe it as like slightly cuter. It feels a little bit more like, um, it's, it's a little bit more fantastical. It's an anthology collection of short horror stories. And it's all set under this umbrella story of um, a mortician welcoming in somebody who wants to, who's responding to a job ad about them needing a new mortician. And so this young woman comes in and she's welcomed into this, this really like Gothic old building that is beautiful. And um, he's like the most, he's like the scariest person (laughs) on earth. He's like really tall and has this really deep voice and it's really old. And like um, you can tell there's something going on with him in the building. And he starts telling her these stories of how people have died in this town and how people die very strangely in this town. And it's so good. It's, it's really a testament to how short horror films work to build. I don't know. It's it, the short horror films in, in this movie are just fantastic. And they, they are so creative and they deal with really interesting subject matter. And some are really like timely and political and it's just really, really good. Absolutely recommend the mortuary collection Steph, I don't know if you've seen that one yet. I have not seen that. It's good. I've seen it around, but yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It was one of those I kind of avoided it because it looked a little bit like, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but it looked a little bit like Harry Potter-y, like the cover art looked a little <laughs> bit childish or something. And it was it steered me away from sure. it. But it's absolutely not that way at all. It's, it's very good. Um, and the last one I have on here, which you could argue this is not really a horror movie, but the book was, was definitely... Um, in the horror genre. I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, I read that book in like a day, blew through it in a day. Uh, Genuinely spooky book. Very much recommend it. The movie was done by Charlie Kaufman. He wrote the screenplay for it and um, takes a very different approach to it. Same stories, you know, obviously same, same general story, similar themes, but he kind of takes, um, he takes the the themes in the book and kind of twists them a little bit to be a bit different. 
Definitely recommend reading the book first. It gives a lot more context to what's going on in the movie. The movie, I can see if you if you had just watched the movie, I can see being extremely confused by what's going on in, in some parts. Because um, Charlie Kaufman can be that way sometimes. <laughs> he can be a little bit ambiguous. He doesn't really want to tell you what he's trying to do. He kind of wants you to figure it out. So, and that, that's coming something, from himself. <laughs> something that I did not do. I had to call Ashley Put her on speakerphone while my my boyfriend and I were like, okay, so you read the book, yeah. Uh, what did we just watch? Yeah. <laughs> it's very we much, don't get it. We're not, yeah, and, we're not smart enough. <laughs> and the and the movie when you have the context of the book, the movie is just different enough where it feels like kind of a completely new story. But because you have the context of the book you watch the movie and some of these moments that the main character is having are just so much more beautiful because you kind of know what's going on inside of this person's head already. Um, so yeah, definitely piggyback both of them, do both. Um, I recommend that highly, but I liked it. I thought it was good. It, it's not really a, a true, I wouldn't say it, it, it neatly fits into the horror genre, but it's definitely got some real life and real world like, scariness to it you know it ha it has a lot of elements of horror um <clears throat> especially in the scenes at the stars like childhood home there's a lot of very strange things hap happening there's a lot of like um time is it acting in a weird way yeah uh it's i think it definitely fits into the horror genre at, at least in part but yeah, it, it fits into it's it. It's a little it, harder to pin down. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it fits into it in a very like literal way. It deals with, and this is why I say like, once you kind of get through it, you even probably would want to watch it again just to kind of pick up, you know, maybe things that you missed. But it deals with things that are genuinely terrifying to a person who is aging in the movie. It deals with someone who's mm -hmm. aging and is genuinely working through some things that are scary. Um, and it's so emotional because you can relate to him so hard, you know, like you can relate to someone going through that. Um, and in the book, it's a little bit different, but it still deals with the same themes. So um, it is very, I, I, I would say absolutely it's a horror movie, but it's not one of those where you watch it and on the surface you're like, boom, this is, this is horror, but it deals with fear in a very good way. You know, something that I'm constantly saying, boom, this is horror. <laughs> boom. That's horror. If I had a nickel for every time I said, boom, this is horror, then I would have 25 cents. No, I <laughs> only said it five times. It doesn't, it doesn't happen very often, yeah, it doesn't. but when it does, I am sure. Analogy. Yeah. Um, boom. This is horror. So that, <laughs> with that, that wraps up our episode two, our 2020 recap. Um, thank you for joining us during a second week of just nonsense and talking about what we love to talk about already. So we're just recording it this time. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope you guys all, I hope everyone has a great end of 2020 and I'll wrap it up. Today is today's that we're recording this on the 27th, but um, hope you have a great, you know, end of year. Only got a few days left, so 
really make it have a safe end of year. (laughs) Yeah. If you're, if you're able to stay home, stay home. Yeah. Do not. Yeah. Everyone wear your masks. Everyone stay in. Um, Let's try to make 2021 a better year. Uh, But more importantly, this is not going to be a year where horror won't be useful. (laughs) Yeah. Horror will be useful every single year, even when it's not 2021 or 2020. Agreed. I'm excited for 2021. There's a lot of good stuff I know coming out. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next year and dissect and figure out. So Thank you for joining us, everybody, and have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Bye.